Hi, folks. I'm Mark Middleton, along with Bill Schaefer. This is Growing Bolder, the program that's all about hope, inspiration, and possibility. And boy, we got plenty of it all for you today. We'll meet a doctor who says you hold the key to preventing cancer. And a 76-year-old woman who had it all in her late 50s. She had a loving family, prestigious job, beautiful home, but there was something missing. Never in a million years, though, did she think it would be a a welding torch. (laughs) How she became a renowned metal sculptor. Also, so a former Mr. America and celebrity bodyguard turned vegan who now may be the most ripped 77-year-old in the world, how his diet cured multiple illnesses and led him back into competition. Plus, you'll love this, is there life after death? We have the Harvard neurosurgeon who nearly died but came back with an incredible story, so incredible that some say they're calling him the proof that there is an afterlife. Well, we don't need to tell you that there is a cancer epidemic in America today. It's nearly impossible to find a single family anywhere that has not been touched by this disease in some fashion. Why, in this day and age of science and technology and modern medicine and wonder drugs all over the place, why are we still battling for our lives? Well, that's a great question, Bill. Dr. Ben Lerner, who is the doctor for two U.S. Olympic wrestling teams and chairman of the Wellness Advisory Council, says that we're to blame and there is an all-natural approach to avoiding cancer. Dr. Lerner is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Body by God, The Owner's Manual for Maximized Living, and his new book is called The Cancer Killers, A New Approach to Proactively Living Cancer-Free. Let's find out more as we welcome Dr. Ben Lerner. Hey, Doc, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Well, we love this conversation. Thanks so much. You know, we are all constantly talking about curing cancer. You write about preventing it in the first place, and you say that, quote, the cause is the cure. What is the cause? Well, prevention, we even like that stronger word of cancer killing because your body really is designed to be a cancer killer. You're killing cancer all day long, particularly if you're healthy. And so the cause, which are the types of lifestyle issues we, you know, the things we do wrong to our body, the things we're exposed to, those, those are the causes. And if we address the causes, then we get to the cure. Well, you say, just like you did here, that our bodies are naturally equipped to kill cancer cells. I'm not sure what you mean by that and that we defeat our own defenses with our lifestyle. So what is it that we're doing wrong? Well, so for example, uh, a pipe just broke here in Celebration, Florida, and so we're not supposed to drink our water coming or, or even shower in it because there's going to be toxins in there, and there's toxins in our tap water and, and plastic coming off the plastic bottles and bottled water, and so that's one example of the toxins that we are exposed to every day or we drink or eat every day. These are known cancer causers for one thing. So we know it's out there. I guess the question becomes, is it practical? Is it possible to avoid them? And, and let's take some of them uh, one at a time, because you write a lot about sugar being public enemy number one. Why is sugar so harmful? Yeah, and you're right. You can't avoid all these things and, and go live in a bubble. Uh, and, and again, your body is equipped to deal with some level of all these causes. It's just we're overwhelmed by them at this point. And one is definitely sugar. It's in virtually everything that's packaged. Of course, you can take it straight up out of the sugar packet. And the reality is cancer loves sugar. It it feeds off sugar. Uh, Sugar makes you fat, and cancer loves fat. Uh, Sugar causes inflammation. Sugar reduces uh, the strength of our immune system, which then makes us, again, more susceptible to cancer. So on any number of levels, uh, sugar is is definitely one of these uh, causes. All right, so so if you're going to tell us we got to avoid sugar, you got to bring bring the next part to that to to that discussion is is what should we use for sweeteners? Or are you saying no sweeteners at all? No, so for example, well, you definitely don't want to do like the the blue and the yellow packets and the pink packets because then that's just more chemicals. So we know that any chemical, and you know they've proven that it these things cause like cancer in rats and stuff. But whether whether you're into that or not, the bottom line is that chemicals are always going to lead to poor health. So, for example, stevia, natural leaf stevia. Uh, we, we live off desserts in my house. Uh, our cancer patients we deal with, um, they, we, they can eat as many desserts as they want. It's just they're sweetening with stevia. 
you know, I, I think you can mention uh, plastic water bottles all you want, but when you say the word sugar, you kind of turn a whole lot of people off. Is sugar overwhelmingly a trigger to cancer, or are there other things on the list that are nearly as important? Well, I think the reason it's, it's, uh, it, it can get overwhelming is that, it, again, it is so prolific. It's so commonly found in so many things, and it, does, it is one of these things that hits you on all the levels I listed. It affects your hormones and it does create inflammation, which leads to all disease. And anytime you become um, uh, insulin resistant, so when you have insulin issues, which is a, a side effect of too much sugar, uh, you become susceptible to all disease on an on a ever-growing level, uh, including cancer. So sugar is one of the bad ones. So you definitely want, if, I, if there's one thing I'd say, hey, you're going to have to really start working on cutting it out. As much as everybody loves it, it's going to have to be sugar. Uh, we are speaking with Dr. Ben Lerner, who is the author of a new book called uh, Cancer Killers. And before we ask you what some of the other cancer killers are, uh, let's acknowledge the fact, Dr. Ben, that uh, you know most of us are, are already living a lifestyle that, that does incorporate many of the things that are on your list. So, so the question becomes, uh, uh, when is it too late for someone to make the lifestyle changes that allow our body to return to this what you call natural state where, where we can defeat cancer on our own. That's what's so awesome is I, I heard you mention that your show is about hope is that it's never too late. I, uh, they, um, Harvard did a study. They collected 7,000 different studies, actually, and they showed that not only did all these lifestyle dysfunctions lead to things like cancer, but what's awesome is if you went to reverse your lifestyle and improve it, immediately your body started healing itself of cancer. So there's a lot of hope, and it's never too late. As far as starting to that process of healing, what are some of the top cancer-inducing foods? And conversely, what are some of the top cancer-fighting foods? Yes, yeah, so and we talk about cancer culprits. Uh, so we already mentioned, sh- mentioned sugar. There's some, uh, processed meats. So uh, anytime you're, you're reading your meat labels and you're seeing things like sodium nitrates and sodium nitrites and uh, nitrosamines and all these things, they stick in uh, your, your various uh, packaged meats. That is definitely a cause of cancer, as has been proven over and over again. Um, there's artificial sweeteners we mentioned earlier. Just you know, when you talk about the the blue and the pink packets, uh, these are and the yellow packets. These are not effective uh, things to uh, switch to. Instead of sugar, you've got pesticides, uh, which are now very common in all of your more commercial meats, as well as obviously what we're exposed to in the environment. And then you've got um, your non-organic animal products. So. Anytime you, um, you know, you're just going to the store and if you're really loading up on things like, for example, milk, uh, that they, milk is treated with RBGH, which increases the risk of breast cancer and colon cancer. Uh, so we move people when they're, if they're going to make one choice for organic to really choose um, organic animal products, you know, meats and dairy. You know, we, we, we read a lot, Doc, and I don't know if this is just kind of an excuse because we all like excuses that, that, that there are genetic triggers for cancer. Can a proper lifestyle overcome a genetic predisposition for a certain type of cancer, or sadly, tragically, are some of us destined to get cancer no matter what we do? Well, the bottom line, you just said it was trigger. So uh, it, if you don't pull the trigger then your chances of getting the cancer drop dramatically. So the genes have been there for centuries. They've obviously always been there. But the bottom line is that a lot of these cancers are getting worse and worse and more and more common. So clearly we're doing more to trigger them. So there's absolutely, absolutely no doubt science has proven it that, um, that you are not destined to have the diseases of your forefathers if you change your lifestyle. You gave us a good list, Dr. Lerner, of foods to avoid. What, what kind of food should we gravitate towards? Yeah, and that's obviously, we, we prefer to uh, work on adding good things versus saying we want to deprive you. Uh, so we've got the cancer defenders, uh, many of which you've heard about, like green tea. Uh, green tea has high levels of catechins, which actually can block the growth of cancers. Uh, you've got your, a lot of your classic healthy vegetables, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower. But the one that people uh, love that is, uh, is maybe one of the best cancer fighters that, that's out there altogether, it's a uh, Antioxidant it's the, has the highest ORAC value, which is your ability to fight free radicals of uh, just about anything else that's out there, which is chocolate. So, uh, mm-hmm. so cocoa um, in its raw form, you know, not in its Hershey's Kiss form, but its raw form uh, is phenomenal for you. So if you're, if you're going and getting some good uh, organic, um, n- not highly sweetened chocolate, we, what we do is we get the chocolate without being sweet, and then we put stevia, we add that to it. And so we eat chocolate two or three times a day in our home. Um, and yet here we are fighting cancer with it. 
Folks, this is good news. Uh, Dr. Ben Lerner telling us that, that, that we are, in fact, cancer-killing machines, that by nature we are designed to, to, to destroy and defeat uh, naturally occurring cancer cells, which, which we all get. It's just that our systems have been overwhelmed with all of the, excuse the word, crap that, it, that it is in and around us. Um, you know, Doc, one of the neat things that we see on this program is, is that living a, a proper lifestyle, is, is every aspect of that is so interla- interrelated and, and one supports the other. We, we have athletes on here that tell us that, that exercise, that competition is the fountain of youth. How important is regular exercise to, to your equation of defeating cancer? Yeah, if somebody goes and just Googles a type of cancer and exercise, literally there are studies to show that just about every common form of cancer is radically reduced if you exercise. So there's no doubt it it, it plays a powerful role, and for many of the same reasons that good nutrition does. Again, cancer loves fat, and so uh, so it helps to, you know, help you increase muscle mass and decrease fatty mass, and that immediately makes you a healthier person. It increases circulation, increases the body's oxygenation, and oxygen is a great uh, tool in your body for killing cancer. So there's no doubt uh, the fact that we spend... uh, too much time uh, in front of the TV or the video games is definitely lending itself to uh, an increased level of, of certain types of cancer. Now, Dr. Ben Lerner has done some incredible work here, folks, to really help open our eyes to things as far as being able to try to limit our chances of getting cancer, which is running rampant through our society today. The book is called Cancer Killers. And, you know, it doesn't seem to be a complicated blueprint, but one thing leads to another. If you're active, if you exercise, you're generally going to eat better. And if you eat better, you're going to avoid the things that are bad for you. I guess the answer is it starts by getting up off the couch, getting out and living your life. Thanks, Dr. Lerner. Pat Williams is one of the most optimistic men you are ever going to meet. So what did he do when he was diagnosed with an incurable form of bone cancer? That's next on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. This is Growing Boulder, and it's time now for another story from our executive challenge every month. We bring you a local executive. We're talking the big shots of this area who are leading by example, pursuing a healthy lifestyle to improve the quality and length of their lives and everybody else's, yeah, too. Yeah, this is a fun feature to be involved in. And today we spotlight Pat Williams, who, of course, is well-known as the executive vice president of the Orlando Magic and the author of nearly 80 self-help books. For the past year, Pat has battled a form of incurable cancer, and it's not surprising to learn that he has remained positive, inspirational, and determined to help find a cure for a disease that has touched nearly every family in America. All right, Teddy boy. As he enjoys an early morning moment with one of his grandkids, 72-year-old Pat Williams remains optimistic about what lies ahead. I'm really convinced that the best 20 years of our life, if our health is good, should be between 70 and 90. You know, your children are raised, your um, career has been established, and... Uh, I think in that period, boy, you you should really rock and sock them uh, because you've got wisdom now, hopefully. You've got experience. You uh, really understand the world a whole lot better. This from a man who has spent the last year of his life battling cancer of the bone marrow. Every family in America, I'm convinced, in some form or fashion is dealing with cancer or has dealt with cancer. I don't think any family has escaped. 
While Pat plans his future, his past is well documented. By age 24, he was general manager of the Spartanburg Phillies. At 29, he was GM of the Chicago Bulls, followed by the Atlanta Hawks, Philadelphia 76ers, and Orlando Magic. He traded Pete Maravich, traded for Julius Irving and Moses Malone, drafted Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and Daryl Dawkins, led teams to six NBA Finals and a World Championship, and was recently honored with a life Time Achievement Award from the Basketball Hall of Fame. And then when I learned that previous winners were Red Auerbach and John Wooden and Pat Summit, and you know, I began to think it's just a pretty big deal. Along the way, he's written nearly 80 books, finished nearly 60 marathons, and parented 19 children, 14 adopted from all over the world. Many were with him when he made public his battle against cancer. For a year, he fought the disease daily and didn't hesitate to share details in hopes of inspiring others to get involved. If we pull together and have an extreme dream, uh, that's my extreme dream right now. Figuring out how do we get that funding in place to let these researchers really do their jobs. I think we'd see some incredible results. Pat's cancer is in remission, and although he's not yet ready to run another marathon, he is working out daily in his home gym, working out his body and his mind. A voracious reader, he reads seven or eight books at a time, finishing on average one every day. Pat believes his overall fitness was critical in helping him win a battle that many will face. He says the time to prepare is now by keeping your weight down through both diet and exercise. Can you imagine putting a barbell on your back with, with a 75 pound weight on it and, and just walking through life with that? Well, that's what happens when you let your weight get out of control and then all these illnesses tend to follow. Eat early, eat often, eat balanced, eat lean, and eat bright. And remember, the beverage of champions is water. There is nothing like a battle for life to make one appreciate life, a lesson not lost on Pat Williams. So we truck on and uh, I'm learning very, very uh, much the, uh, the, the good advice of one day at a time, one day at a time. And if you string enough of those one day at a time, you know, that's a, that can be a long life. Make each day your masterpiece, Coach Wooden would remind us. So that, uh, that's definitely on my mind every day. Another warrior in the war against cancer is 78-year-old Dr. Bina Shaw. After retiring from an OBGYN practice, here's what she did. She found her true purpose as a Reiki master energy healer, volunteering her services now to help local cancer patients. Dr. Bina Shaw is a Reiki master, an energy healer. These are different energy centers in your body, and I'm activating them. Reiki treaties at your DNA cellular level. That means all cancers, everything, all the diseases, all the problems, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all the problems can be treated with Reiki. Reiki is a Japanese healing art, a form of alternative medicine in which Dr. Shaw says she scans for energy blocks and channels energy from a universal life force to reduce stress and promote healing. There's no religious dogma associated to this one way no, or the this other. this is energy, which is no religion. Absolutely, it is ultimate light coming from the universe. I am just a channel. I am nothing else. I don't do anything. Dr. Shaw ran a major OBGYN clinic in India for 45 years, but moved to the U.S. when she retired to be with her daughter, Dr. Nikita Shaw, a noted medical oncologist. Always fascinated by alternative medicine, she began volunteering at one of the nation's top cancer hospitals where she now treats patients and discusses some of life's biggest questions. What's the purpose of our life? What are we here for? We each has our own purpose. Each one's purpose is different. We are not just thrown in the world, no. God has fixed ideas about us, what this body and soul is supposed to do. We have a fixed, definite fixed purpose. After a career in traditional medicine, Dr. Shaw says only in her late 70s has she finally found her life's true purpose. I found out my purpose that to give Reiki energy to other people and make them, myself, my family, and others healthy and happy. That is my purpose. 
Dr. Shaw says she's developed the ability to sense blockages in the body's main energy centers or chakras. Here, she's activating my growing boulder chakra. She also concentrates on specific issues. Okay, do you have any problem? Uh, both of my knees. Okay, we'll work on that only. Which knee? Uh, both. Dr. Shaw believes that we make life much more difficult than it has to be. We can make our life very, very easy. And that's how? Just forget and forgive everyone. If I send love energy, I'll get lots and lots of love energy back. If I send negative energy or hatred energy, or anger or jealousy or any negative energy, same thing goes to the universe and it comes to me. So our thought makes our destiny in the end. Positive thoughts makes positive destiny. Negative thoughts will make negative destiny. Does Reiki really work? Do you actually feel healing energy passing through your body? You may or may not feel, depending on your receiving power. But you will get the effect. You will experience it. Do you feel some, something happening to your knee? Yeah, I do. How is your pain now? Much better. You feel better? Mm-hmm. With this knee? Mm-hmm. Sure? Yes. Dr. Bina Shaw, Reiki master, and proof that it's never too late to find your purpose and you're never too old to help others. One of the most inspiring people you'd ever want to meet. If you're like most people these days, you're active, always on the go, and the one thing you never seem to have time for is for sleep. Big mistake, because like good medicine, sleep is more important to your health than you realize. With more on that, here's registered dietitian and nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Thanks, Bill. Hi, foodie friends. Are you staying up watching the latest episode of Castle or Monday Night Football while you do your laundry? And then, do you feel cranky and tired the next day? It's true for me. When I'm tired, watch out. My attitude takes a nosedive, and I'm always hungry. Have you noticed that your weight is aiming north? The saying, you snooze, you lose, takes on a new spin when we talk about weight. A recent study found that sleeping less than six hours a night resulted in the body making more of the hunger hormone leptin. Bottom line, when you're tired, you're hungry. Lack of sleep also decreased by 30% the body's ability to correctly use the hormone insulin. Ultimately, this can result in elevated blood glucose and then build potentially type 2 diabetes. All because of not getting enough sleep. So the problem is, though, Susan, so few of us feel that we have enough hours in the day to begin with. And then do you ever have it when you lay down? And sometimes it's really hard even to relax enough to not off. You just kind of lay there. Absolutely. And you can't turn your mind off, you know. Well, I've got three smart strategies to share that'll help you get those Zs that you need. So number one, unplug for 30 minutes. And this is before you go to bed because research shows that the bright lights from your favorite devices, this includes cell phones, TV, iPads, whatever you're using, that they decrease the body's production of melatonin. And that's the hormone whose job it is to make you feel tired and help you fall asleep. Number two, start a no-couch sleeping policy. Okay, my husband is included in this one. He's a football fanatic and often can be found snoozing away at the end of a late game. Okay, and number three, work to eliminate snoring. Try some of the nasal strips and sleeping on your side. The additional sleep will help boost your energy and focus and keep your weight on track. Registered dietitian and nutrition expert, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Coming up, do you ever wish you were an artist? Rochelle Ford did, even though she had never even tried. That's next on Growing Boulder. Launchpad to What's Next Live coming to the villages May 30th and taped for national broadcast. Join an all-star team of aging disruptors. Longevity expert Dr. Roger Landry, Olympic gold medalist Rowdy Gaines, personal finance expert Gene Chatsky, Blue Zones founder Dan Butner, swimming icon Diana Nyad, rock and roll legend Roger McGuinn, performance coach Jim Smith Jr., aging transformer Dr. Bill Thomas, award-winning journalist Bill Schaefer, and me, Mark Middleton. Change the trajectory of your life. Tickets $35 now on sale at thesharon.com. Sleep down all hate I scream. 
I'm Bill Schaefer along with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. And if you ever doubted that having a passion is what leads you to the fountain of youth, you would only have to meet 76-year-old Rochelle Ford to find out that, yes, that is true. Yeah, she really is something special. When she retired from a high-profile executive position in her late 50s, she traded in her briefcase for a welding torch, of all things. And with absolutely no previous experience, she became a self taught metal sculptor. And now, at age 76, her beautiful, bold works of art are in museums and collected worldwide. Welcome, artist Rochelle Ford. Hey, Rochelle. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, hello. Well, we appreciate you taking a break from the studio to chat with us. Uh, There really is a a sad and yet fascinating story about how you got into art. You were in your late 50s, as we noted, getting set to retire from running a big nonprofit when a close friend traveled to Chernobyl in the aftermath of the nuclear accident there. What happened to her, and how did that change your life? She was dying of cancer, and she kept. She said to me on her deathbed, Rochelle, you keep saying you want to be an artist. Don't die wondering who would think here I am at this age, you know, getting ready to pass on. So four and a half years after she died, I figured that the, uh, if the organization could get along without me, I would move on and become an artist and fulfill that last wish I had for my life. You know, talking about it now, I mean, it all sounds like a no-brainer. You're, you're fantastic. You're very talented and, and skilled at what you do. But how much of a risk was that? How much did you have to step out of your comfort zone to say, well, maybe instead of just piddling around, I am going to try to be an artist? Well, you know, I think the last thing you teach your children is how to die peacefully. And I figured the last thing I wanted to do before I died was to be a metal sculptor. So... <clears throat> I better get with it and get busy and uh, get started. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, I was very challenged and motivated. So, so you decide to become an artist, and I think that is a, uh, a desire that many of us can relate to. But what led you to want to work in metal and to weld? I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about one of these big gas torches that you use to cut metal, correct? Isn't that what you do? That's what I do, 6,200 degrees of heat, cutting through um, steel and all different kinds of copper and aluminum and different kinds of metal. What, what prompted me? Because I can't draw. I can only draw with a torch, and I do pretty abstract things, sometimes realistic pieces if somebody wants a commissioned piece. But uh, somehow my... I can draw with the torch and can't with the pencil. So it's uh, a mystery, but um, one I'm pleased to have in my life. Now, now, forgive me for trying to pull my own life into this, too, but what did your husband, what was his reaction the first time you picked up a torch and came walking into the living room and say, hey, I think I want to use this, honey? Well, you know, all of my life I've been, in addition to being a corporate executive, I was also a corporate wife. My uh, husband played professional football and I and had all kinds of different corporate jobs. So at, finally, um, when he retired to become a high school football coach, which is something he wanted to give back, he said, whatever you want to do, Rochelle, I will support you. I'll clean the house, I'll clean the yard, I'll do every, I'll cook the meals, I'll do anything. You have been a wonderful supportive wife, and it's your turn to fulfill some of your hopes and wishes and dreams. And um, surprisingly, he was very, very supportive and not at all worried or scared. And you know what we find, Rochelle, when we talk to people like you, is is you're doing your thing because you have to do your thing. You're not doing it to make a statement, but you are making a statement. I mean, you are smashing at least two very big stereotypes, and and, and one is the ageism stereotype. At 76 years old, you are reinventing yourself. You are living a big, bold life. And also, uh, you know, a, a, a gender stereotype. I mean, most women... Certainly women in their mid-70s are not welders. Uh, do you get a lot of attention because of that? I certainly do. I uh, We live in the historical part of uh, Palo Alto called Professorville, and everything's supposed to be pretty subtle color-wise. Yeah. And when I became an artist, I thought, well, how's anybody going to know I changed careers? So we painted the house some really wild, wonderful <laughs> colors. And I filled up the yard with uh, metal sculptures, and they're on the house, and 
outside, inside, everywhere. And when my husband's doing the gardening, people often, almost always, think he's the artist because mm-hmm. they wouldn't imagine that a five foot two woman weighing 120 pounds could be making these three foot high sculptures. So these uh, three story high sculptures in addition to three foot high sculptures. So um, he said, no, it's my wife. It's that little <laughs> woman that's um, in that studio welding. <laughs> so in other words, Rochelle, you're the neighbor we're all terrified is going to move in next to us. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, some people absolutely love the house, and those are the people I talk to. The other people who don't like it uh, just keep on going and look at the White House across the street. So I only get the accolades, so there's uh, most of the time I think, oh, everybody really likes what I do, and of course I make a living at it, so that's also positive reinforcement. Yeah, we should note that you pretty much smashed the myth of the struggling artist because you found success very, very quickly uh, selling pieces and being offered shows in a year. Before we let you go, Rochelle, because we've only got a minute left, uh, what have you learned uh, from your post-retirement success? Or, or, or maybe a better question is, what can we learn from your success? What's the takeaway here? That it's never too late to fulfill your dreams, that age is just a number, not necessarily an age, um, and that you should not die wondering about anything that you wanted to do in your life that would make you happy and make you feel fulfilled. But but we worry. We worry about getting old. We fear aging and 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 uh, the oncoming of changes in life. But you've you've met them head on. Well, I you know every morning when I wake up, I say I'll never be as young as I am today. Today's the youngest huh. day of the rest of my life, and get up and do something fun. Man, you keep on keeping on. Folks, if you want to see her work, uh, you can check it out at her website. It's Metal Sculptor, MetalSculptor.com. Uh, she got a pretty good domain name, and that's not surprising that she because she's a big shot in Palo Alto. Uh, that's probably where you'd get it. Her name is Rochelle Ford. She's a metal sculptor, and she is definitely growing bolder. Thanks, Rochelle. Coming up next, he's been smashing stereotypes his entire life. Wait until you meet former Mr. America turned vegan who may be the most ripped septuagenarian on the planet. That's next on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. The following interview was recorded before the passing of our guest. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. Well, I hope you've been doing your push-ups, folks. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. Our next guest is going to put you to shame if you haven't been. He's a bodybuilding icon who, at the age of 77, is more ripped, more healthy, and stronger than ever. He's a former Mr. America, Mr. USA, Mr. International, and Mr. Olympia master over the age of 60. We're just going to call him Mr. At age 50, which was a while ago, he became a vegetarian, and over the past 16 years, he's transitioned to a totally vegan diet. Welcome, 77-year-old, age-defying, bodybuilding sensation, the one and only Jim Morris. Hey, Jim. Are you available for PR work? <laughs> you know what? We That's do- the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> well, you know what? You deserve that and more because you are one heck of a cool dude. And, and, and let's jump right in, Jim, with this vegan diet because you have some breaking news. In fact, our audience is going to be the first to hear this. Just yesterday, you received an email from the executive vice president of PETA. What did he say to you? He asked. He, they're doing a... Uh, uh, you know, PETA has always been more about animal rights than anything else. But they're branching off into diet. And he asked if I would do, they're doing posters of vegan athletes. He asked if I would do one of their posters. And I am just excited. 
ecstatic about it. So you're going to become the poster boy, excuse the term, for uh, really the aging population and how a vegan diet can, can not only uh, you know help you live longer, but but help you live in the way that you do it. And as Bill mentioned, you are ripped at 77, and and we, we got to say this is this, this no, there's no steroids involved in your muscle development, is there? Not now. There was back you know 50 years ago when I was competing. But I haven't done steroids since 1996, <laughs> actually. You know, I'm a little confused about something, though, John. I, I thought that there was no way in the world that you could look the way you do being a vegan. I thought people who didn't eat meat were scrawny, pale, pasty-looking, weak people. You know, uh, uh, two years ago I did a, a seminar in Las Vegas at an event called Vegans in Vegas, and they build it as a bachelor party. And I asked the promoter, why a bachelor party? And he said, because vegan men have the same image that you just described of themselves. Wow. He said they feel uncomfortable around non-vegan men, Hmm. and that came as a total shock to me. Wow. Absolute shock to me. Because on a vegan diet, you can get as much protein, as much bodybuilding uh, food, nutrition that, that you need. Uh, I think that's really more an, uh, a cultural thing out there than anything else. You know, you know, I, I don't know where or why this thing came, but uh, here it is. Now, you know, I eat. One of the things I do is I listen to my body. Rather than putting myself on a particular schedule of three meals a day or six meals a day or or anything like that, I eat when I'm hungry, and I eat what my body wants at that particular time. I usually keep something of of the five food groups in the house, some fruits, some nuts, some grains, some vegetables, and uh, I'll just, whatever my body says eat, I'll eat. I eat when I want to eat and what I want to eat, and... uh, you listen to the body. Only the body knows what it needs, what it needs and how much it needs. We've got a built-in system. It's called the apostat, which tells us all of that. If we start putting ourselves on schedules and everything uh, uh, that you know, the culture says, then we're, we're bound to run into problems. Is this a smart man or what, folks? Uh, we are talking with 77-year-old former Mr. America, you know, Mr. Galaxy, Mr. Universe, Jim Morris. And, Jim, you want to know what we like most about you? You want me to tell you? Yeah, please. Here it is. Uh, you have never been bothered by what anybody says or thinks about you. You do your thing. Case in point, back in the 70s, the chances of being a black bodybuilder and winning a major title were slim to none. You won them all. You've been openly gay for many, many years. That certainly has probably caused you some problems. And now you are smashing not only aging stereotypes, but diet stereotypes. You are a stereotype-busting machine. That that's wonderful. I I really appreciate it, and uh, it's it's really a, <laughs> a lesson I've learned over over the years. Is uh, we don't think of ourselves as creating ourselves, you know, but we do everything that we think, we, we say, we do. Our body is really it, it's energy expressing itself in material form, and it does that by responding to the environment. When I say the environment, I mean more than just the, the trees and, and all of that. I mean to its environment, to the body's environment, what food, what comes in, how we think, what we say, what we do, our energy output, whether we exercise or don't exercise. Our body has built-in systems to respond to that. So by the way we live, we create ourselves. When we change the way we live, if we start doing exercises, or if we change the way we diet, the body responds by adjusting to it. So all along, we have unconsciously been creating the body by the way we live, and it responds. And the hard part I find for most people is accepting that, wow, if that's the case, then this the mess I'm in is the mess I've created. But once they do accept that 
and consciously take control of it, then the looks, everything, is, is, is what it's all about. You know, Jim, another thing that makes you really interesting is I would think more than even the rest of us, you would fear aging. It's almost like, a, you know, a dancer. You know, once they hit 30, their body just starts to fall apart. You depend on your body, and you would think that age would be the, the biggest enemy that you have. It's, it's just the opposite. Age is, age is your friend because it allows you to turn things around. It allows you to take charge of things. You got more time to do what you learned is right. Well, Jim, we're going to have to leave it there. Fascinating discussion. You are, uh, we knew everything about you except the fact that you were an extremely intelligent guy that uh, had some really deep thoughts, and we appreciate you sharing those with us. Jim Morris, thanks so much. Coming up next is their life after death. Our next guest, a Harvard neurosurgeon who had an amazing near-death experience, says yes without question. That's next on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the UCF College of Medicine, where physicians, scientists, and teachers are discovering innovative solutions for today's medical challenges and bringing them to you. Learn more about the college's physician practice at ucfhealth.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. Is there another existence beyond the one we know? Is there a life after death? Well, our next guest has been said to be proof of an afterlife, and he has written one of the most talked about books in years. He's a Harvard neurosurgeon who nearly died in 2008 when his brain was attacked by a rare form of bacterial meningitis that plunged him into a deep coma. Yeah, and here's where it gets pretty interesting. Brain scans showed that his neocortex, the part of the brain that controls thought and memory, was completely shut down. But while his brain was not working, apparently his consciousness definitely was, so much so that it caused him to rethink everything he thought he knew about the brain and life after death. Let's find out more as we welcome the author of the New York Times number one bestseller, Proof of Heaven, Dr. Eben Alexander. Hey, Doc, how are you? Fine, how are you? Man, fascinating story, and let's get right to this. The accepted theory of scientists is that the neocortex is responsible for generating the many near-death experiences that we all hear about, but since your neocortex wasn't working, there's got to be another explanation, right? There, there must be, and in fact, I spent uh, many months uh, going through nine different uh, neuroscientific hypotheses trying to explain how this ultra-real experience that I recalled as too real to be real, how it could have occurred in my brain. And because of the very severe meningitis, I concluded that it, it really did happen, but it did not happen in my brain and did not happen in the physical universe. Now, the experience you describe is amazing. You say you found yourself in sort of a hyper-reality on the wing of a butterfly with a beautiful young woman beside you? Yes, and it was a beautiful idyllic realm. Um, you know, lots of kind of earthly trappings with the flowers and butterflies and this beautiful girl, and of course angels up above and that kind of thing. And the materialists often, or skeptics, often get really hung up in that. And they, they fail to realize that there's a much deeper reality that was the core of that reality, uh, and that, of course, when we hear things there, it's not through ears. When we see things there, it's not through eyes. And then when we try and describe it, um, you know, we're limited to earthly language that has all these kind of earthly words. And um, so the problem is that they kind of miss the point that all of that is real and that people who have been there, others with mystical experiences, near-death experiences, uh, they know what I'm talking about. I know what they're talking about. But it's something that uh, you can't just kind of say that these words limit it to what it really was and therefore it was way too earthly and reject it because they're missing the bigger point. 
Wow. So, so you're communicating without speaking. And you say in the book that together you travel through space and time, at least as we know it, to what you believe to be heaven and that this, this woman actually gave you a message to bring back. Right. And the message was uh, so reassuring. And it came after I'd spent a very long time in, in kind of a murky, unresponsive, monotonous realm that I call the earthworm eye view. So you can imagine being on a butterfly wing in a lovely valley with this beautiful girl uh, was a far better alternative. And when I first got there, her, her words came right into me, not as spoken language, but as concepts. You are loved, you are cherished, cherished dearly forever. Um, there is nothing you have to fear and nothing you can do wrong. And nothing you can do wrong is complex. It doesn't mean there's nothing we can do wrong in the earthly realm. But in that realm, there was, there was nothing I had to worry about and nothing I had to worry about doing wrong that I would be taken care of. It was most comforting. Wow. You know, you mentioned skeptics a little while ago, and I wanted to ask you, as a neurosurgeon, wouldn't you have been one of those skeptics had well, you heard this story from somebody else? Well, and exactly. And I would have been very skeptical. In fact, if a patient had told me some of these things that I tell in my story— I would have patted him on the back and said, oh, yes, you're very, very sick. Your brain was soaking in pus. I can't even believe that you're coming back here. We were certain you were dead. Um, but the thing is, I know from what I experienced that it was far, far too much to happen in a brain that was really shut down with pus covering the entire neocortex. And that is the crux of the matter. In fact, when I first came back, I didn't remember anything of my life before and certainly none of my neurosurgical knowledge. And yet I remembered very richly what had happened to me deep in coma. And I remember it now, four years later, as if it happened yesterday. And that's very unlike memories from hallucinations or dreams. And with my neocortex shut down, there was no place for such a, a vivid dream or hallucination to occur anyway. Hmm. Folks, we're talking with Dr. Eben Alexander, a Harvard neurosurgeon who, who, who literally had died, essentially his brain shut down, and he came back to tell a story that he calls proof of heaven. And before we leave the story of the woman that you met, you, you came to believe that she was, in fact, your guardian angel, and although you didn't recognize her there, you've come to believe that she is someone important to your past? Absolutely, and that is a... a tremendous part of my understanding of the whole experience, because uh, initially I wrote down 20,000 words uh, of this rich odyssey, and then I started reading the near-death literature, and I was shocked, first of all, at all the similarities, but also that my father wasn't there. I, I worshipped him. He had passed over four years earlier, and the fact that there was this beautiful girl on the butterfly wing, and I remembered her face so clearly that I knew when I woke up and came back to this world that I'd never met her before in my life. And it was actually realizations around those features four months after my coma that just shocked me no end in knowing the reality of this experience. And that's a big part of the book. People will find out the answer to that when they, when they read and why it was so shocking and showed me that this is real beyond doubt. Now, now, having been through what you've been through and knowing what you know, do you believe it'll ever be possible for science to prove what up to now has been considered basically unprovable, or will be will believing in the hereafter ultimately always be an act of faith? Well, we can actually all come to know this truth through deep uh, meditation and centering prayer. Physical is science. You know, our our modern neuroscience based in physics, chemistry, biology, a brain. I no, certainly, will never weigh in pro in terms of the existence of God in heaven, because it cannot. Uh, for one thing, it cannot even answer the question of how consciousness exists, so much less that it could ever explain something like whether God in heaven exists. So don't hold your breath for science to prove or disprove that realm. Uh, that's a crucial part of understanding my bigger message. Uh, and finally, Doc, I think what we all want to know from you, because you were there, you lived it, you, you now believe it, is is do you now fear death? Uh, what is your relationship, your association with, with the place that we're all headed? I am absolutely certain uh, that our spirit is eternal, that spirit and soul are eternal. And in fact, when the brain and body die, our consciousness is liberated to a much higher level. And we're reuniting there with our soulmates and with that higher divinity. Um, 
And death is a transition. It's not the end of anything. Uh, I look at it as an adventure, and I, I will never doubt that because I've seen the evidence of it, as have so many who have had near-death experiences. They don't fear death hmm. because they know that it's not the end of anything. Doc, we've got about 25 seconds. Did you meet God? Do, do, is there something? Absolutely, yes. And, in fact, this is the same God that each and every one of us knows at the core of our own consciousness, if we turn off that little voice of reason, the ego self voice in the head, which is not the real us, we can all go in there through prayer and meditation and come in touch with the very same all-loving, infinite God that I encountered on my journey. Folks, it is a fascinating book about the greatest mystery in the history of mankind, a hopeful book, an optimistic book written by a former skeptic, a scientist, and a neurosurgeon who entered this experience predisposed to not believe it, and now he does. It's called Proof of Heaven, and he is Dr. Eben Alexander. Wow, some very provocative stuff today. Isn't life amazing and endlessly interesting? Folks, if you're bored or unhappy, there is great adventure out there awaiting you, but only you can make it happen. And, of course, we're here to help. That's what Growing Boulder is all about. These are stories of ordinary people living extraordinary lives. And it's simple how they do it because they choose not to settle for anything less. And that's the message, folks, because you can do it too. So start Growing Boulder. Start living the life you want, because as we learn every week, it's never too late. And if you haven't already, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where we'll keep you up to date on all things Growing Boulder. See you next time. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting, all rights reserved. This program was recorded live at the studios of WMFE Orlando. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Jackie Carlin, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producer is Katie Widrick. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Remember, when it comes to growing bolder, it's not about age. It's about attitude. Crimson flames tie-